Welcome to Coffee Talk with Linda. I'm Linda Davis. Thank you for joining me today. A little bit about myself before we get started. I love Jesus. I love coffee. And I love sharing both. So go grab your cup and let's talk. I believe the Lord has a direct word for us this morning. If you've remained intimate, your barren season is over. If, and that's a big if, if you've remained intimate, your barren season is over. And I believe the reason that if is in that statement is because The Lord's not going to come out and just say all inclusive to everyone, your barren season is over. So what he's saying instead is if you've remained intimate, if you've remained faithful, if you've remained with me, right? John 15, if you have abided in me, if you have allowed me to strip you down to nothing in your season of barrenness, what felt like, truthfully, it actually wasn't, but it felt like your season of barrenness, and you still remained in me. Now I'm going to go to John 15. Then your barren season is over. Because you know what? The truth of the matter is, first of all, we cannot produce anything without being intimate. Seed, children, something of substance. We can't. Of our own seed. Can we go and adopt? Yes, we can. Is there way different technology now and there's in vitro fertilization doesn't require any intimacy? Yes, we can. But I'm talking about physical intimacy produces fruit in your lives, produces seed, produces children. It removes the barrenness. Now, you can be barren and never be intimate with, okay, let's say a woman, You can be barren and never be intimate with a man your whole life. Would you be frustrated at the end of your life if you didn't have children? No. It's an expectation. Of course not. Of course they would not be children. But sometimes we go through our whole life with the Lord with zero intimacy, I guess in one sense, going through the motions, but maybe a little more than that. We have a relationship with God but we don't have intimacy with God because a relationship does not equal intimacy. There's a lot of people I have relationships with, but there's only one person that I'm intimate with, and that's my husband. He's the only one that would put an end to my barrenness in the natural, in the physical, and that's what he's done. And so the Lord is saying to us, In this season, to those of you, to those of you who have remained intimate, because why? Intimacy is supposed to produce something. Intimacy is supposed to produce something. If we allow it, that place of barrenness can become a place of fruitfulness. If we continue In that place in the Lord, if we, as John 15 says, abide in him. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. I am a true sprouting vine, 
and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. This is Jesus talking. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. And see, we've been sometimes in a season of barrenness, in a season where we felt like, gee, I was producing something there. It was seemingly fruitful, and yet it got cut back. And that's frustrating, and that's difficult, and we don't understand it, and we question it, and we're like, am I starting over again? Yes, because in the long run, in the long run, that cutting back is going to yield a greater harvest, a greater harvest. Jesus goes on to say, the words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. So you must remain in life union with me. You must remain intimate. And this is the most important time when the, when the fruitfulness in our life starts getting cut back. Start, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a situation and me and my husband even together where it's like, yes, this is it. We know this is it. We're going forward. This is the beginning of all the Lord has shown us. And we see fruit in those areas. We see the green buds on the tree. We get excited. There might be a small apple. There might be a small pear, whatever, whatever it is. We're seeing some fruit. And then all of a sudden, it starts getting cut back. It starts getting trimmed back. And what was once fruitful now looks barren to us. And we don't understand. And we get frustrated in it. And it even begins to grieve us. We begin to seek the Lord. Where I must have missed something. I can't tell you how many times I've asked God that. I must have missed something. What did I miss? Show me, Lord. Show me where I was wrong. Show me what I did. I repent just in case I have to repent and I'm not seeing it. Over and over again in my life, in my walk with the Lord. But now, now, looking back a little bit, I see... That, yeah, and that was true fruit. Don't, don't write it off like, gee, I just, that whole time was a waste of time. That all that labor was a waste of time. It was not. It was God cutting back. It was God saying, yes, there's fruit there. <clears throat> Excuse me. But some more pruning's got to come. Some more barrenness has got to come. Are you going to walk with me? Are you going to remain in me? Are you going to abide in me no matter what you walk through? No matter what I require of you. And it's easy to say, yes, Lord, yes. But it is a whole different matter to walk it out. And it's a whole different matter when you feel like you've finally been placed in position and God strips it of you for a season. Strips you, strips you of it for a season. And then you're like, what happened? I know that was from God. I know I heard from God. I know I was walking in obedience. And yet there you stand empty handed all of a sudden. Really, in one sense, sucker punched. You didn't see it coming, but there you are. And it's what John 15 talks about. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches Okay, so, you know, he does use the foolish things to confound the wise, and this seems foolish. He's lifting up and propping up the fruitless areas. He's holding those up. 
And then it goes on to say, and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. Oh my gosh, if we can see in the middle of the struggle, if we can see in that place where it's the hardest we've ever been, we just feel like we're being ground into the pavement with a cement rock. And God's saying, I'm getting to the greater harvest. Let me do what I know needs to be done. It's all for a greater glory, his glory. And if we will walk out John 15 and we will remain intimate in that season, we will come out of our barrenness. We will come out of our barrenness. And one thing we can't do for sure when we come out of that barrenness is we cannot forget what we learned in that place. We can't. We've got to know. Those of us that know that we know and we find ourselves in this place where there seems to be no fruit, where it seems like we were in a place of producing, we were in a place of fruitfulness, we were functioning in the giftings, in the callings that we know God placed in us, the things he shared with us, the things he's shown us, And then all of a sudden it's ripped out of our hands and we didn't do anything to cause it. And that's key too. Now, if you're in disobedience to the Lord, well, I don't know what to say about that. You got to get that right. That's not what I'm talking about here. Simply put, sometimes there's just consequences for actions. You know, like when I was raising my children, sometimes they weren't going to understand what I was saying. So I just let them walk out the natural consequences of their bad choice. Small example. It's cold out. It's raining out. They don't want to wear a jacket. I'm only going to argue with you so much. Fine. You don't want to wear a jacket. Go ahead. Go to school without a jacket. Well, now you're going to be cold and you're going to be wet. And maybe tomorrow you'll wear your jacket. So I'm not talking about that here with the Lord. I'm not talking about when we're in disobedience, when we've stepped out from under that hoopah, when we're, when God says step, I don't care what it looks like. He, we better step. He's the first and foremost who we need to listen to in every season of our lives. And he'll keep stripping that fruit from us. If that fruit ever becomes more important than him, he's taking it out of our fruit basket. I promise you that. So Jesus goes on to say in John 15, the words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. So you must remain in life union with me for I may, I remain in life union with you. So if there's any forsaking, it's not Jesus forsaking us. It's us. Like I was just saying, stepping out of the hoop. What I mean about that, that's an umbrella of protection for obedience in the Lord. You know, if, if, if it's pouring rain out and I step out of the store and I have my umbrella over my head, I'm good. Now, how silly would it be of me to remove the umbrella, keep it in my hand, but over to the side? That would be ridiculous. We do it spiritually all the time, but I don't want to go there today. That's not the point. That's not what the Lord's saying today, but it is a little side note for you to think of. For as a branch severed from the vine will not be a fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life. This is so good. I didn't even know this was going to say this. Intimately, (laughs) thank you, Father, intimately joined to me intimately. If we want fruit in our lives, we have to remain intimate with the Lord in those barren seasons, in those barren seasons. And then I promise you, you're coming out of your barrenness. I promise you, you will. God told us all the way back in Genesis, excuse me, to be fruitful and multiply. 
So his intent for us is to be fruitful and multiply. So if we're, <clears throat> excuse me, if we're in a season of barrenness, we have to, first we have to look and say, is this, is this the Lord or did I cause this? And, and by is this the Lord, has the Lord allowed this? Has he allowed it? Because some things the Lord allows. Does he bring sickness if it's a season of sickness? No. Does he bring a hard time through physical attack? No. But he allows it. And I've been there myself. My husband has been there. Significant physical attacks. No small thing. I promise you, like living hell for a year. Did we cause it? No. Did God cause it? No. Did God allow it? Yes, he did. And that's the truth of the matter. As a matter of fact, you know, over three years ago now, you know, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I was told I would have to have a double mastectomy. I was told that, actually, I wasn't told how difficult it was going to be, truthfully. <laughs> I'm glad in one sense, but I wasn't told that. And so I had a dream because I, I needed to make a decision because I'm a faith person and I believe God heals. I believe that God is a healer. He was a healer yesterday. He's a healer today, and he's going to be a healer tomorrow. And so, of course, my first, my first reaction was, how did this even get in my body? I'm a woman of faith. I believe God. I walk in obedience. But whenever you struggle like some, with something like that, just go to the first few chapters of Job. So now I have to know, how do I respond to this? Do I believe God for healing? Because I've heard testimonies of that. Do I go with the advice of the doctor? Because I've heard testimonies of that. You know, and the thing, the thing with me personally was I didn't even know the cancer was there. I was feeling fine. I had no intention of going and getting a mammogram, but because they actually found something very concerning in my mother, my brother pushed me to go get a mammogram done. So I did. And that's when they found that the cancer was there. And my doctor told me if this had been three months later, just three months, if this had been three months later, you would be looking at a different story, a different diagnosis. So even though it was a tough season, even though it was a season of frustration, even though it was a season of great physical pain, it could have been a lot worse. And God revealed the hidden thing that I didn't even know was there in time. And so I had a dream during all of this. I didn't ask God to give me a dream. I was just praying about what to do before I knew about the three months later thing. That was after surgery and after pathology reports that they told us that. But so I prayed and the Lord gave me a dream. And the short interpretation of the dream was, you're going to have to go through this storm, but I'm going with you. I will be with you every step of the way. And I'll never forget it. I'll never forget every detail of that dream. And you know what? It was hard. But you know what? God was the one that was with me every step of the way. Every step of the way. And so... Obviously, that season pulled me from everything I was in the midst of with regard to ministry and regard to bearing fruit 
And so I went from a fruitful season to a barren season. Couldn't even leave the house. Couldn't even open my own refrigerated door, truthfully. So what do we do in that season? We can get angry at God if we want, but the clean hands and the pure heart is to say, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I'm your child. I know you know what's best for me. Lord, I have remained in you. I abide in you. I place my rest in you more so now than ever before. And I'm going to trust you that after this barren season, you are going to enlarge the place of my tent. It is going to be stretched out. I am already lengthening my cords in preparation, in expectation. I'm already doing it. Because why? As I expand to the right and I expand to the left, I come out of this barren season because I kept my heart in check. I remained intimate with the Lord. I'm going to produce fruit. It's going to be a fruitful season. And you know who's going to benefit from it? My descendants. Praise God. You know, it's Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54 talks about this. If you want to turn there real quick. Sing, O barren one, it says. (laughs) Think about that. Sing. Oh, barren one, do we do that in our barren seasons? Do we sing to the Lord? That's what really produces fruitfulness, to remain intimate. I want to just remind you what we started out with. If you've remained intimate in your barren season, then it's over and you're coming out. But never forget what you learned in that place. Isaiah 54 says, Sing, O barren one, you who did not bear, break forth into singing and cry out loud, you who did not travail with child, for the spiritual children of the desolate one will be more than the children of the married wife. Get prepared, in other words. Get prepared, be prepared, remain remain prepared. Enlarge the place of your tent in your barrenness. I know that sounds ridiculous. Enlarge your place, enlarge the pegs of your tent In your barrenness, be stretched out and spare not. In your barrenness, the fruit hasn't come yet. In other words, it's going to be big. Get prepared. Doesn't matter what it looks like right now. You will, verse 3, you will spread abroad to the right hand and to the left. And your offspring will possess the nations and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. You will be redeemed. You will be redeemed of your barren season. I promise you, you will be redeemed of your barren season. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That's Proverbs 3 if you want to go look it up. God will bring forth your new season. God will bring forth your fruitfulness. Verse five, for your maker is your husband. In other words, we remain intimate with the Lord. The Lord of hosts is his name and the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. And he has called you like a woman forsaken, grieving in spirit and heart sore, even a wife in youth when she is refused and scorned. For a brief moment, I forsook you in your barrenness what it felt like. But with great compassion and mercy, I will gather you 
to me again. I have never pulled my love from you. Never. His love and his kindness will not depart from us. We'll end up with far more than we ever lost. Far more. Unfulfilled areas, unfruitful areas, unproductive areas in a season. And it's really tough when you've been in a season of being fulfilled, you've been in a fruitful season, you've been in a productive season, and then all of a sudden, all that gets stripped from you. Will you be thankful in your barrenness? Will you continue to cry out to the Lord in your barrenness? Will you remain in your barrenness? Will you go, uh, let, let's, let's go talk about really quick Hannah for a minute, biblically. And God will, how God will turn our barrenness into a season of fruitfulness as we continue to go forth to him, to pursue him, to go into that place at the altar in intimacy and allow him to pull out of our barrenness the purpose of our fruit. That's really good right there. Will you allow him to pull out of your barrenness the purpose of your fruit? The purpose of it. Because there's purpose in it. There was a purpose in last season's fruit. There's a purpose in the upcoming season's fruit. So Hannah is in 1 Samuel. If you grab your Bibles and turn over to 1 Samuel, of course, anytime you talk about barren woman in the Bible, you know, you're talking about being childless in the natural, but it's a representation of our diligence, our steadfastness, our faithfulness. You know, and I think we know the basics of the story of Hannah. She was barren while the other wife, Penina, was having all the children. And Penina was antagonizing her. Taunting, I guess, is a good word. And I think the enemy taunts us in our seasons of barrenness. He taunts us. Like, oh, look at this. Oh, look at that. You didn't this. You don't that. You can't this. That was a waste. What was the point of this? How many years have passed? But if we'll do like Hannah did, and we'll keep going back through the heartache, through the frustration, through the disappointment, and praying to the Lord fervently like Hannah did, right? The priest thought Hannah was drunk. And this is all in 1 Samuel. And if we'll worship God in that place, actually it starts out in the very first chapter of 1 Samuel, and be specific. What is it you want? Like when Hannah prayed, what did she pray for? Go there real quick. She was specific. She prayed for a son. She, she prayed for, she, she didn't, oh Lord, whatever way you want to bless me. God gave her the, that desire of her heart. And she spoke it out and he breathed on it in her season of fervent prayer. I'm I'm just looking for the actual scripture where it says, oh, okay. So in chapter one, verse 10, Hannah was in distress of soul, praying to the Lord and weeping bitterly. She vowed saying, oh, Lord of hosts, 
if you will indeed look on the affliction of your handmaid and earnestly remember and not forget your handmaid, but will give me a son. She didn't even say a child. So what is it you're wanting in your bearing season, the Lord to breathe and move on? Be specific and wait for it to come forth. Did Hannah hold a son in her arms the next day? No. No, she didn't. She asked the Lord to not forget her in her barren season, and she asked the Lord to bless her with a son. She was specific. She was detailed. Now, sometimes we don't know. We're not sure. And if you're not sure, you pray the Lord's will. And God breathed on it. And God met her in that place. And truthfully, the fruit, the fruit that she was going to produce was for a higher purpose. And that's what we're talking about this morning. You know, when this fruit comes forth, we have to remember it's going to be for a higher purpose. And so I just want to encourage you. Actually, if you want to, I'm going to close with this. If you want to turn to Job real quick, if you have your Bible with you. And so Job, right? We know in the very beginning of Job, He's pointed out by God, and he's in an extreme place of fruitfulness, and he's stripped of everything. He's stripped of everything with the Lord's allowing. God allowed it, but he put perimeters on it, and he'll put perimeters on our barrenness too. And because Job, his friends didn't understand, he lost his friends, his friends were all like, well, that doesn't make sense. That's not how God works. I've, I've stepped in obedience in areas and lost friends because of it, because they're saying it's not God. And we have to be cautious if we'll say it's not God to someone, that we've really put it to the Lord and God has shown us that. Because maybe he's just pruning back and we have to trust God in that. And so Job goes through this whole process and at the end... All the way at the end of Job, he is blessed because he sought the Lord the whole time. He desired what God desired. I'm just trying to get to the very end of Job here. The Lord, verse 12 of Job 42, the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And if we even go back up to verse 10, it says, the Lord turned the captivity of Job and restored his fortunes when he prayed for his friends. And also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So those people that will judge you, that will talk about you, and will even tell you to your face you're missing it in a time of pruning, in a time of barrenness, keep putting them before the Lord because he's going to breathe on it. And your ladder will be greater. Your ladder will be great and you will be blessed with twice as much. And so I want to remind you today, if you've remained intimate with the Lord, he is saying your barren season is over.